Good morning, everyone, and welcome to episode six of Ladies Who League. I'm absolutely delighted after a big win by Parramatta last night, but we'll get to that a bit later. I have a star-studded panel this morning. A big good morning to Danielle Warby, editor of SBS Zella. Good morning, Mary. Star-studded. Yes, star-studded. That's right. You're a star. Thank you very much. Very happy to be here. Thank you for coming in. And we've also got our friend Erin Riley, our sports writer. Thanks for having me again. No, my pleasure. You're welcome anytime. It's great to be back. So I thought we'd start the show off a little bit differently this morning, Danielle, since we've got you in the studio. Can you start by telling us a little bit about SBS Zella? Absolutely. Well, um, it's a website um, by SBS, obviously, launched uh, at the end of last year, devoted solely to women in sport, which, you know, is just fantastic. It's been my area of passion and expertise for the last 10 years. So I'm, you know, delighted to be brought on board as editor of, of that website. So we're devoted to uh, women in sport, as I said. We focus on the issues on athlete profiles, as well as um, trying to get people interested in, um, in interested in the athletes, getting to know the athletes. So we try and do a little bit of lighter, easy, snackable, shareable type of content so that someone who might not be a huge sports fan can still, um, you know, enjoy the content. It'll be things like, oh, check out this awesome video that's just come out. Mm-hmm. And we, we showed actually the Channel 7 promo the other day of uh, the Olympians doing karaoke, which cheesy or cute I don't know it's up to you but that's the kind of thing we want to do just to make it um you know provide stuff and information for people that are already invested and know a lot and so there's you know really in-depth stuff for those people and then some yeah lighter stuff for others and people also love that lighter stuff so if I think about one of my favorite stories from Zella this week it was seeing Malcolm Turnbull meeting the, the Matildas Malcolm in the middle Malcolm in the middle that's great <laughs> I I love that and I love the photos to come out of that and I love how much everyone's now talking about the Matildas and I think Lisa Devana was amazing when she said this time we're actually going to win things at the Olympics like, well, good on her. absolutely, and she was very confident even before. Um, I've got her <laughs> saying, I'm telling you now, if we qualify for the Olympics, we'll come home with a medal. So she's been very confident from the start. You heard it here first. Uh, what, what about you, Aaron? What was one of your favourites this week? I loved the article about the uh, growth of grassroots AFL, mm-hmm. women's AFL. Um, I think it's really important to recognise the work that local teams and leagues have been doing for a long time now uh, in growing the women's game. And even though there's a lot of attention at the, the um, what the AFL's doing at that top level, I think it's really like amazing work being done at the grassroots level. And what about you, Dan? Obviously, you loved all the stuff. I did love all the stuff. (laughs) So do you have a favourite? I think it's probably the article on the Queensland Reds rugby. Um, They've just recently launched a campaign called um, They Said, which is celebrating women in rugby and trying to break down some of the stereotypes that rugby is a men's sport. I don't know who's still out there thinking there are women's sports and men's sports anyway, but apparently there is. Um, so that's, a, yeah, that's a really great campaign. And what with rugby, um, particularly rugby sevens being quite on the up at the moment with the Olympics coming up. Um, yeah, I thought that was a really great article. I find it astounding that people still think there are men's and women's sport, especially considering how successful our women's rugby sevens team has been. They're the standout. They really are. They're an absolute gold medal chance. Mm. I mean, I, I think they're going to come away with the gold medal. They're, they've certainly been building towards it over the last 
last few years and they're number one in the world. So, I mean, it's all, it's always a bit of a danger going in as the favourites. Yep. I mean, Australians do like to be the underdogs, but, you know, these women are just phenomenal. Yeah, no, it's been fantastic. So we might take a quick break now and then we'll come back and let me talk a little bit about Rugby League. been a lot happening in rugby league this week as well. Now, I don't know whether anyone in the room is an Arrested Development fan. Of course. Okay, so lately, because there's been so much focus on people touching the refs, I'm always imagining that scene where they're in prison and they go to touch George Michael and it's like, no touching, no touching, because that's been massive this week. We've had a number of incidents where players are touching the referees and in last night's game, um, we saw Kieran Foran sort of gently... I would say gently give the referee a pat on the back and it's been a bit of an uproar and I found it a little bit unusual to be honest. I find the relationship between refs and players is quite complicated. Like I really don't like it when they refer to them by their first name. Mm-hmm. I think it's a bit matey mm-hmm. and I think that that growth of that sort of matiness between players and refs in a way leads to this. Like the boundaries get a bit blurred and I think maybe having sort of a a bit of a firmer line between um, players and refs would actually be really helpful. Because then it would make it a lot clearer as well. So we had the incident last year on Good Friday when we had um, David Clemmer and James Graham approach a referee quite aggressively. And I see that as quite different to sort of giving the referee a pat on the back. But if we draw that line and say, look, no touching at all, and we come down hard on it, which I, I don't really think we, we sort of need to, but if that's the line that needs to be taken so there's a consistent stance, I say, take it. Yeah, and I think along with that, go with referring to names by uh, players by teams and numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that really removes that um, friendship, that sort of matey, exactly buddy that blurring pal. of the line. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Uh, we might start on Thursday night's game. Uh, I've got to say, the poor old roosters were thrashed by the Cowboys, forty nil. I'm really beginning to feel sorry for the roosters. I know I'm probably the only one in Australia, other than roosters fans, that feels that way. Um, they looked ordinary in attack and defence. The standouts for the Roosters were probably Latrell Mitchell, Dylan Napa and SKD, but, ap- but apart from that, there was nothing to crow about. Get it? Crow? No. Okay, I should uh, stop making jokes on the show, I think. It's a bit early. <laughs> yeah, maybe a bit early. But the other thing was I didn't think North Queensland looked particularly impressive either. Like there were some good moments there, but a 40-0 scoreline suggests that they were, you know, incredible and, and that just wasn't the case. I just thought the Roosters... Well, great. And look, it is still early in the season and mm-hmm. sometimes it does take a little bit of time for teams to find their feet in a new yeah. season, but it doesn't, it is quite sad. And I'm hoping that they do find their feet because they've still got Jared Warrior Hargraves and Boyd Cordner to come back. Um, so fingers crossed that when those two men come back and Mitchell Pierce, of course, that the Roosters will start to look a little bit better on the field. Hang in there, Roosters fans. And those kinds of outs can really affect your structures and mm-hmm. can really affect your strategies. So I think it's, um, it's a bit early to write them off yet. I completely agree. And then last night we had Parramatta beating the Bulldogs 20-6. to As you can imagine, I was very pleased. I think the best thing for me out of that performance was that Parramatta are playing 80 minutes worth of football. In previous years, Parramatta were often accused of having a sort of soft underbelly, but to see them getting out there and competing for 80 minutes... I was I was really pleased with them and their defence was also very good. There's been some mixed feelings for you this week with Parramatta. How are you feeling about the salary cap so issue? That's the thing. So last night I was so impressed with their performance, but to think that salary cap issues might cause, you know, loss of points is quite devastating for a playing group that finally seems to have 
have themselves together. Um, I was quite vocal when the Melbourne Storm were found to be fraudulently breaching the salary cap, and I think that's what I found quite hard this week in, in that it may have happened with my club. And, you know, rules are rules, and there's absolutely no place for fraud in my game or in my team. So if those allegations are correct, I think I'm going to have to do a little bit of soul-searching. Uh, do you think that there are some sort of fundamental governance issues that they need to address? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's always been Parramatta's problem for several years. It's been at a board level. There's a lot of infighting and there are a lot of competing factions. I think there are a collective group of people that need, if they love the club, as they say they do, they need to walk away and let the next generation come through because nothing they're doing at the moment is bringing joy to the club, nothing is helping, and our governance is a shambles. I shouldn't know the names of the board board of directors of, of clubs. I barely know the boards of directors of other clubs unless they're women and I'm sort of flying that flag. But they should be absolutely out of the media and everyone knows Steve Sharp, everyone knows Tom Issa, and I'm sick of hearing about Parramatta being in the papers for the wrong reasons. Very sad. I've got another question for you. (laughs) Okay. Not about Parramatta though. Uh, I was taking a little bit of a look at the odds for the, for the coming weekend. And I noticed that the New Zealand Warriors are currently favorites to beat the storm. What do you think about that? I mean, it's, it's close. Warriors are paying $1.84 to uh, the storm's $2, but. That seemed a bit off to me. Yeah, look, I think it is a little bit bizarre. The Warriors haven't been very good in their first two games. It may just be a case of the Warriors being one of those teams that can't, well, have been in the past able to score points quite, quite quickly, particularly with players like Sean Johnson and Roger Tuivaza Shek. So maybe people are just tipping the upset. Like they can't go through the whole season having lost all their games. Um, and it's also their first home game. So fingers, well, maybe that's why. Makes sense. The other team that I want to give a quick plug to is the West Tigers, who are going for three in a row today. People have been asking me whether they think, whether I think they can do it. And my answer is with Teddy Tedesco, anything is possible. Uh, So that's about all from Rugby League. We might have a quick chat about the games to come later on, but let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about some WNBL. And the WNBL season is now done and dusted. A big congratulations to the Townsville Fire, who are now back-to-back premiers. And to talk us through the games this week and the WNBL season, I've got Megan Hustwaite from News Corp and SEN, and she also moonlights for SBS Zeller, like the rest of us. Good morning, (laughs) Megan. (laughs) Good morning, ladies. Great to join you. Thank you so much for coming on. So can you tell us about the final series and, and the two games, you know, over the last week? Yeah, it's been an incredible grand final series. The first time the WNBL has had a grand final series and it certainly delivered. Uh, we started last week in Perth where Townsville uh, drew first blood, mm-hmm. beating Perth 73-57. was a pretty close game to three-quarter time before the fire uh, drew away in the last quarter and were able to set up a big win before heading back to their home court, which they did last night. And they were 10-point winners, 80 to 70. Um, they were pretty dominant throughout the game. Perth came at them a few times, but I think that finals experience really shone through for the fire. They're back-to-back champions now, as you said, and, um, yeah, those calm heads really did well for them as they prevailed last night. And what an incredible story from Perth as well. Like They were really, I think, one of the fairy tales of the finals along with SEQ as their first final series in 16 years, which must have been a tremendous boost for them. 
Absolutely. They rebranded this year under the NBL Wildcat umbrella. So uh, last season they were the West Coast Waves. They actually finished last on the ladder. Mm. So they were a bit of an easy beat um, in the competition as they had been for a few years. But they've gone fully pro um, under the Lynx name this year. So that's fantastic for the WNBL as well to have a professional outfit. And it really showed from um, round one in terms of their results. The group had been together for some time, had a really sound pre-season and training full-time. Um, they really were able to reap the rewards of that out on the court. Yeah, Megan, and I think for me the thing that really stood out was the promotion of the team and the way that, um, you know, they've really boosted um, sort of the effort that's gone into that. Um, we had an article up on Zella the other day, um, which I'm sure you may have seen, but, um, you know, that kind of promotion when you're promoting your men and, promoting your men and women's teams equally is really important. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I guess the clubs in the WNBL have had to sort of take their self-promotion to another level this season with the game not being on TV, as I'm sure we'll get to. Um, the clubs have really had to step up their promotion and they've all done amazing jobs around Australia. Um, Perth had Luella Tomlinson doing a regular spot on Nova Brecky in Perth, which is huge to um, have women's sport um, on FM Breakfast Radio in a major city is just fantastic. So, um some of that certainly stemmed from being um, affiliated with the men's program and I think that's something we'll see with other women's programs around Australia in the next few years, perhaps teaming up with a men's NBL team. Oh, okay. I guess that's me in for another question. And we're all being a little bit too polite, I think, I think in here. I was sort of gesturing to everyone else, but it's my turn again. Uh, Megan, I wanted to talk about it not being televised as well, because I think that's the only disappointing thing for me out of this year's WNBL series in that it's been a little bit hard to follow because it just hasn't been covered. Yeah, it's been so disappointing. Um, the WNBL and Basketball Australia had a lot of notice that it wasn't going to be on ABC this season. So they really did have a lot of time to get something together. And I guess um, pre-season they were sort of saying that they were going to have something round three and then it was stretched into it'll be midway through the season into um, we hope to have something for the preliminary final and grand final series and it never happened. Um, imminent was the word that was used and it's become a bit of a buzzword in mm. WNBL now, which um, is a bit sad that it's, it's being mocked in that way. But we've had an amazing season um, in the league and in an Olympic year as well. It's just really sad that it hasn't been on TV. It's been great that the clubs have live streamed games. Um, fantastic that fans have been able to tune in and, and watch live streams for, for nearly every game. But in this day and age, it's just not good enough to not have WNBL on television. Yeah, my takeaway from all of this really is that uh, the, the WNBL and to an, an extent the W League actually squandered the chance that they had when it was on the ABC. I, you know, after seeing the Women's Big Bash come mm -hmm. in and just totally nail it, that's it, really showed me what's what's possible with proper promotion. Um, and you talked before about, you know, the men's clubs linking up with the women's, you know, in the, in the W League, the women's are seen as a liability and not an asset. And so having the on having the basketball and the football on television for all that time and not being able to do something with it. Now I kind of feel like, yeah, it was a bit wasted um, and it's going to be much harder for the basketball in particular to get back on. Um, you know, streaming is is a good option, you know, particularly if you can't get the broadcast. Um, but like you said, it's not, um, it's not the same as free-to-air TV. That being said, no. I am 
I am so ready for a Fox Sport women's sport channel. Yeah, Um, absolutely. There's five five channels. (laughs) Yes, please. Why can't there be a sixth? Why can't there be a women's sport channel? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I would, I would be watching that twenty four seven, and I think we all probably will. I think you'd be hosting some of I'd the be, programs. <laughs> oh no, I'm the only one. I've got a face for radio, um, <laughs> which but, is not true. Not true. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, the expense really is in, um, you know, is in the outside broadcast vans, which is what was cut from the mm-hmm. ABC. And so, you know, we can talk about streaming or, you know, a, a TV station as a viable um, option. But at the end of the day, it's actually quite expensive to put on live TV. That's why we've got all these like reality shows and not women's sport, you know, it's... um. But I mean, I'm hoping that with the, the success that we've seen with the Matildas, they were getting 330,000 mm-hmm. a game. The WNBL, um, sorry, the WBBL, so many acronyms. I know. Um, yeah. we're getting, um, almost half a million for their games, um, on, uh, recently. So, you know, it's the audience is there. And I think that's the key. The audience is there. So it doesn't wash anymore to say, Oh, people aren't interested in women's sports. People are interested in women's sport. They just haven't had the ability to watch it easily in the past so give it to the people and they will come (laughs) and also the notion that people are just intrinsically not going to watch that's why we have promotion that's why we have Mm -hmm. advertising Mm -hmm. and this idea that oh no one's watching well no one's historically spent a lot of money trying to get people to watch Mm -hmm. it takes time to grow competitions absolutely and i I know we're kind of derailing the WNBL conversation (laughs) here a bit but um the one thing um that kind of gets left out of this is when you watch the news and the sports news they they put on interviews with um the coaches and the athletes before games so the men these are the men's games obviously like the rugby league for Mm -hmm. example so news acts as promotion as well Mm -hmm. and that's that's kind of free promotion that women's sport just doesn't get um, as well. And that's why having a really effective media unit is Mm. absolutely essential for any sports club. Like it's not an optional extra. It's, yeah, it's something you've got to do and you've got to do well. Megan, I might cut back to you. (laughs) And I'm going to ask, what was your favourite moment of the season? Do you you have a standout or a standout player? Um. Or a couple. The standout, the standout player would be Susie Batkevi, mm-hmm. um, who last week won her fourth WNBL MVP. At 35, she's um, in the absolute prime of her career. She's led Townsville to back-to-back titles. She's a huge, big game player. Um, she's been critical for them in their title defence. And she could be on her way to a fourth Olympics later this year. So um, it's great to see a wonderful um, sportswoman at the top of her game leading the way in the WNBL and, and hopefully we can see her in full flight to the Opals at Rio. Well, we'll definitely have to keep an eye on that. Maybe we can try and get Susie onto the show. That would be amazing. And then we would have to get you back on, Megan. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us this morning. Thanks, ladies. It's been great. It's been lovely chatting to you. Uh, we'll take a quick break now and then we'll come up and do Mary's Mix-Up. It's time for Mary's Mix-Up. We'll just do a quick wrap-up of some of my favourite things that have happened in sport this week. Uh, the first thing is that there's been big news in surfing this week uh, with 21-year-old Tyler Wright winning round one of the World Surf League Tour. Tyler eliminated six-time world champion Steph Gilmore, which was a massive shock, and then defeated Carissa Moore in the semi-final. In the final, um, her opponent was American Courtney Conlog, and she won by 3.73. So the next leg of that tour is at Bells Beach. Good luck to Tyler. We'll be keeping an eye on you. 
And the next thing I wanted to mention was that speculation finally ended in regard to David Pocock this week, a uh, rugby player of the podcast, I think I'm going to call him. Oh, absolutely. He's my man crush, my number one man crush. I, I'm going to agree with you. He's my number one man crush too. Can Aaron? he be our mascot? Look, maybe we should approach David Pocock. Maybe he wants to be an ambassador for ladies who lead. Well, the thing is, he's a huge fan of women's sport. Yes, he um, is. You know, he's, he doesn't just talk the talk. No. He walks the walk. I've, I've got many selfies with him at, um, you know, women's cricket and other events. And, you know, there's, um, a great shot of him working out when he was in Zimbabwe recently <laughs> in his Canberra United jersey. That's I saw that. Amazing. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. So David Pocock, man of the podcast, uh, we're coming for you, I think. So speculation finally ended with him this week. He'll be released from his contract to study next year and then will return for the 2018 and 2019 seasons. Also a proponent for flexible work, it appears. Oh, absolutely. You know, he's a he's a great advocate for all sorts of for everything. wonderful everything. For everything good. <laughs> everything David Pocock yeah. is a great advocate for everything good. And for taking study seriously. Yeah. Like, not just trying to slot it in his spare time, but actually really devoting himself to it. I think that's great. Look, if I haven't said enough to convince David Pocock that he needs to be an ambassador for this show, then I don't know what else needs to be said. <laughs> and the final thing, commiserations to the Waratahs last night who lost 26-30 to the Highlanders. Uh, they were down 30-0 at halftime, so to come back within four points I thought was pretty incredible. Better luck next week, boys. Uh, we'll wrap it up there and then we've got a very special guest to talk cricket with us. Now we have a very special guest on the line now to talk cricket. Now Erin and Danielle, I thought we'd do a little bit of a guessing game, so I'm going to read out some stats. Like it's sort of like a who am I type thing and, and you two can try and guess who's on the line, okay? So who am I? I'm a 21-year-old all-rounder. I played each game for the Sydney Thunder WBBL team last year and made my debut for Australia against India in January this year. Ooh, is it Lauren Cheadle? No, no, not quite, not quite. Um, this player was a Sydney Thunder fan before being signed for the club and has a strike rate, well, had a strike rate of 150.94 for WBBL 01. Any guesses? Do I have to pretend I don't really know? Yeah. <laughs> We've got Naomi Stallenberg on the line from the Sydney Thunder. Good morning, Naomi. Hey, how you going, guys? Really well. <laughs> My guessing game didn't go too well, but that's okay. Oh, I think, I, I, you know, I did a really good job of pretending I didn't know who yeah, it was. Yeah, you look, you did a pretty good <laughs> job. more convincing than I. Erin ruined it. <laughs> Naomi, I, I thought I'd just start by congratulating you on winning the first year of the Big Bash in the WBBL. Um, congratulations. The Thunder Girls must have been absolutely stoked with the result. Thank you. Yeah, we were. Um, we had a pretty um, well-rounded team. Um, so yeah, we're pretty happy with how the season went. Obviously, there was a few ups and downs, but um, to come over with the win, that was just um, amazing. And to do it with the men as well, you know, Sydney Thunder, we got the double. So, yeah, I guess it couldn't get too much better than that. And there must be just such a positive vibe around the club as well because the men's team has struggled in the past. So for the two teams to do it together in the one year was just incredible. Um, yeah, we um, there was a lot of work put into the, the club this year. Um, or in the you know past one or two years, and um, our general man- manager Nick Cummins um, is fantastic. He a, yeah, he had a lot of influence on the way the teams were um, put together, and I think he was pretty. Yeah, I think he's a credit to the club, and yeah, I think that's what you know, kind of the foundation of where it all started, and yeah, and then you know the men and the women together did a great job in coming out with the win. 
One of the things that I think was really well done was bringing in the internationals and you mm-hmm. guys had Stefani Taylor, oh, who is just amazing. <laughs> phenomenal. Um, you know, how, how beneficial was that for you playing with someone of her caliber? Yeah, it was great. Um, she brought a different vibe to the team, which was good. Um, obviously the West Indies, they're a pretty laid back kind of, um, you know, nation and, <laughs> I think for her to come into our squad, um, she brought a, you know, a very cool vibe and I think it was really good for our girls to see, you know, where she comes from and she can see where we come from and yeah, she gelled well with all the girls and she played well. She had a really great season as well. So yeah, it was, it was great to have, you know, those kind of players in our team and obviously playing against them as well. I think we've spoken quite a bit this morning before we had you on, Naomi, about the success of the WBBL and just how much interest it's brought to women's cricket. Um, what do you think the benefits of, of having it televised and having so much focus on it last year were and will be for, for upcoming seasons? Um, I think it's important because, you know, the men are always on TV and mm-hmm. um, we want to be, you know, in the, in the same kind of um, kind of environment as they are. So. Um, with the success of the Big Bash over the last five years, you know, that I, think, I guess they didn't really expect it. But, yeah, the men have done well and we kind of had the same opportunity to follow in their footsteps. So the televised games, they were pretty successful. And also, you know, with big crowds that we had double headers, the men, um, you know, we banked up, you know, a few few thousand. So I think that's really important to kind of look back on and obviously look forward to in the you know, few coming seasons as well. So, yeah, it was really nice. I look forward to seeing it grow. And Naomi, congratulations as well on making your debut for Australia against India in January this year. It's pretty much capped off what was a wonderful summer for you. I know you didn't get the chance to bat, but having the opportunity to train and travel with the team must have been an amazing experience. Yeah, it was great. Um, I met, you know, most of the squad and I hadn't actually been around them too much before. So um, it was all very new to me Mm -hmm. and, you know, a bit of a fish out of water, but um, I do benefit from being there with the squad and seeing how they, you know, approach the games and see how they train. And even even though, you know, I was running drinks for two of the games, but even that, you know, being around the squad was just, you know, amazing, especially for me. You know, it was a bit of a breakthrough season, so wasn't really expected, which is, I guess, the, you know, actual, you know, treasure of it, so... Yeah, so the Southern Stars won their opening game overnight, um, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, what yep. are you, how are you expecting them to go? I mean, I know we don't like to jinx it, but, you know, what, what are you thinking? Uh, are they going to come away with the uh, world title again? I hope so. I, um, I guess the, the World Cup is becoming a um, – it's a closer competition, I suppose. You know, it's a, you know, a, lot to, a lot at stake now. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, countries in there, you know uh, – they're in contending for a top spot. Um, but I think they'll, uh, they'll utilise the players that they've got and um, I think they do, have the, uh, they do have the talent and the experience to come away with the win and um, it would be great to see Australia do that. Now, Naomi, before we let you go, I have to ask you about Lauren Cheadle <laughs> because I was such a big fan of her over WBBL01. Is she yeah. as quirky as she comes across in all the interviews that she does and all the fun that she has around the Sydney Thunder? Um, well, I'm assuming you probably saw the interview. With oh her my god, I, I watched it like seven times. It was hilarious. Um, yeah, well, she she's um she's working on her media skills, and I think um, <laughs> little little interview with me kind of helped her out. Um, but yeah, she's pretty quirky. Um, you know, she's just 
she's just a big kid. That's what she is. She's good. She you loved know, it. I loved seeing her development, and she was also such a standout for the Thunder, as was uh, as was Maisie. So I was tweeting crazy for Maisie for most of the <laughs> WBBL because I'm a Thunder fan. So it was tremendous. Oh, lovely. Congratulations. Lovely. Um, and what That's are we what are we expecting next from you as well? What what's coming up? Um, well, I'm going to Sri Lanka on Wednesday. Um, and that's with the shooting stars, so Australian Second Eleven. It's kind of a development tour. Awesome. So, um, yeah, look, that's the three weeks. So I'm looking forward to that. And then, um, yeah, coming home, having a bit of a break. So, uh, and yeah, straight back into the season. Well, that's great. Well, I can't wait for WBBL02, which I'm sure is going to be bigger and brighter. And I look forward to the Sydney Thunder holding the trophy up again. Fingers crossed. Yeah. So do we. <laughs> Thanks, Naomi. Thanks for joining us this no, morning. Thank you so much for having me. Right, everyone, let's take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk AFL. We have a very excited Erin in the room because next weekend the AFL gets underway. Five days! Yay! This is sort of how I was feeling before the rugby league season started. Erin, uh, I thought I might ask you a couple of questions about the upcoming season. We'll start with the men's and then we can sort of work our way towards women's AFL. Uh, the biggest question for me going into this season is will Hawthorne make history and make it four consecutive titles in a row? Look, I'm probably not the most objective source when it comes to Hawthorne. <laughs> uh, I'm not their biggest fan. Um, but I do think perhaps with the new interchange rule and uh, the removal of the sub and the limitation on the number or the reduction on the number of um, interchange um, swaps he can make. I think that's probably going to have a really negative effect on an, on an aging team. They are incredibly experienced. Mm-hmm. They have the talent. Uh, but I think maybe this is the year that one of the, the more up and coming teams can take the mantle from them. Yeah. Cause I think there are some interesting questions. I mean, they narrow, they only narrowly made it through to the prelims in 2012. 2013 and 2014 you know they haven't really lost any player many players so that's sort of a pro um they're an aging team though as you said the interchange rule so I think it'll be interesting to see what happens there um can I also ask you about Essendon and how they're going to cope this season I think they'll do better than most people expect I think um, most people are expecting rock bottom so yeah it'll be a um, step above that I think I do, obviously, I don't think they're going to make the finals, but I don't think they're going to be the wooden spoon. I think they've got to get the wooden spoon. I think they've got a lot to prove. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're a club that is very proud. Um, yeah, I, I'm expecting more, I think, than, than a lot of others are from them this year. And I just wanted to sort of end on the Giants and the Suns and whether you think they're going to play finals this year. Because the Suns, uh, I think it was two years ago, looked like they were going to make it and then suffered from a pretty brutal injury. Do you think they're going to bounce back this year? Look, I'd probably put uh, my money theoretically on uh, GWS making it before the Suns. That's um, great. I'm a GWS fan. Fantastic. I think they showed a lot last year mm-hmm. and their playing list is exceptional. Um so if Mumford can stay well and stay on the ground um, and if some of their sort of players who've been in that sort of mid-level can step up, and I really think there's the potential there for mm-hmm. them to do that, uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see GWS in the top eight. So I feel like they've been building towards it for a number of seasons now, so maybe this, this year's the year for them. Absolutely. And I should go on record, I am a GWS member as well. Oh, fantastic. Me too. Hopefully I'll see you at some games. That's great. Uh, now, not only is it great to see – the men's competition coming back, but it's been good to see a lot of talk about the potential women's competition, which is due to kick off in February of next year. 
Uh, Dan, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm very excited. Mm -hmm. I mean, whenever um, a major code brings in a national competition, I mean, you can't help but get excited. And, you know, I'm a big fan of the Sydney Women's AFL. I get down to the games quite regularly. So um, I've I've actually never been to a men's AFL game. I've only ever watched women's. Um, so I love you. Yeah. Danielle, you're great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I've, I'd really, what I'm looking forward to, though, is seeing the clubs put their money where their mouth is. I think they're getting, the AFL's, you know, put some games on free-to-air TV, which which has been fantastic, but I do know the players were not paid for that. Um, mm. And so I want to start to see numbers and figures and plans um, because the thing is it has the potential to really blow things out of the water the way the cricket has mm -hmm. um, or it could go the way of you know not being really great. <laughs> uh, and I think having it earlier, not actually at the same time as the men's season is um, – potentially a bit of a challenge there too, like looking at it in February rather than actually having it at the same time as the men's. It limits the opportunities to have those double headers and to really leverage off the, the success of the men's comp. So Yeah, and I'm suspecting there'll be less teams and a shorter competition. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they do have to start small and I recognise that. But, um, you know, what we see with um, the marketing at the moment with Daisy Pierce and Nathan mm -hmm. Jones on, on all the same, um, on the promotional stuff for Melbourne, which is great, um, you know, we, that's a really important factor. And if you don't have the ability to do that cross promotion, it's going to be a little detrimental. I think. So I think the plan at the moment is to have one team from each other state and then four in Victoria. Mm. Um, and which Victorian clubs get those teams is a bit of a contentious issue. Um, I see that where um, Melbourne's pushing quite mm -hmm. hard. And I think it's, it's a bit challenging because Melbourne is a club that struggled historically um, financially. It's had a lot of problems, uh, but it's also really committed to women's footy and both it and the Bulldogs have really pushed women's footy forward. And that, it would be really disappointing to see them miss out on getting teams because um, sort of clubs that have come in a little bit later have um, sort of shown their muscle and, and pushed for it. So I'm, would really love to see both the Bulldogs and Melbourne get, get teams mm. um, and a really competitive application process for the other teams. I want real commitment, not just, hey, we're big, we've got facilities, we've got money, therefore give us a team. Because I've been so impressed with Melbourne. I mean, they've come out, they've been a major sponsor of the Victorian Women's Football League. They've officially employed the employed, you know, Daisy Pierce and the coach Michelle Cowan. Um, and Cowan only becomes the second female coach in the AFL behind Peter Searle at St Kilda. So good on Melbourne for being not one of the powerhouses but really getting behind women's AFL. And it's also the oldest football club in the world. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a bit of history there and it, it's I think that's really lovely that, you know, it's not just the oldest AFL club, it's the oldest football club. Yep. Um, and I think that's just a really, really special thing. It's a trailblazer. I like it. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'd personally love to see a team from Sydney, um, mm -hmm. you know, obviously being from Sydney yeah. myself um, and knowing a lot of the women who do play here, you know, it would be absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I've really loved the, um, you know, the fact that they're promoting the talent search. And, you know, I'm really also excited to see the code switches, like who who are the elite athletes that are going to leave other sports to go play AFL? Um, heads up to the AFL, though, they won't do it if you don't pay them. Yeah. And I'm hearing whispers that that might be the case in this first yeah. I find that astounding, mm. absolutely astounding, particularly after all the conversations we've been having about the Matildas in, in the last year. Mm. 
how can you expect people to possibly commit to the sport if you're not going to pay them? And I think it shows that the if they don't pay them, the league isn't committing to the sport mm-hmm. because how can you expect a top-tier competition, an exciting competition, when you're not actually paying the people who are participating in it? Um, it's just you need them to be able to train. You need them to be able to focus. You need them to be available to do interviews and mm-hmm. to Absolutely. do all those sorts of things that are essential to the – success of a competition they need to be full-time and they can't be full-time if they if you don't pay them not at all yeah and I mean they could do worse than like I said look at the WBBL they did everything right they got a naming rights sponsor they paid the players um you know they engaged the fans they leveraged the women's uh, sorry the men's <laughs> I can't even say it with uh, it's like a, it's like a twitch um the men's big bash league um <laughs> um so you know they did they did everything right they ticked all the boxes um and obviously the broadcast deal was was part of that as well. Um, and if the AFL are fully committed, they'll do the same. And I think it's worth mentioning the AFL spent $100 million ahead of the um, establishment of GWS and the Gold Coast Suns. Um, that's just to expand the men's competition. Like I, even if we saw half that kind of financial commitment. Oh, God, if I had $100 league, million, dollars, I oh could do everything goodness. for women's sport in this country. <laughs> like, that's, can all you imagine? that's all it's going to take. That's all it's going to take. So it was $100 million for two clubs. Wow. Like – They've got the money. It's a wealthy competition. They can afford to spend it. And to not pay the players when you're spending that much on promotion is, in my mind, completely unconscionable. So the takeaways from this segment, AFL, put your money where your mouth is and pay your female athletes. Mm -hmm. Play them a full-time living wage. Okay. That's the takeaway from this segment for whoever is listening. And number two, GWS to play finals. Yay. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, Erin, I look forward to having you back when the AFL season is happening in earnest. We might wrap it up there and we'll come back and finish off the show. And there's a bit coming up this weekend. In the NRL, we've got the Knights and the Raiders this afternoon. I'm tipping the Raiders. We've got Panthers and Broncos, Tigers and Titans and Warriors and Storm. We'll, we'll see what happens there, Erin. Team of the, team of the podcast, uh, the Brumbies will be in action tomorrow against the Stormers. And the Golden Slippers also happening today, but a bit disappointing to see that there's no female jockey. Danielle, I know there's a bit coming up for you too. Tell us. Yeah, there's quite a few things in women's sport this weekend. Um, some really amazing things. So Jessica Gallagher is going for her third Paralympic qualification. Now, what's so fantastic about this is this sport that she's um, competing in this weekend is track cycling, mm-hmm. paracycling. Um, but she's represented Australia in the Winter Paralympics in skiing, I think slalom, and the Summer Paralympics in long jump and javelin. So this is going to be her third Paralympics in her fourth sport. Um, so if she qualifies, she needs to come away with a gold or a silver to be in the running and fingers crossed for her this weekend. My mouth is just hanging open at how incredible that is. Yeah, she's an amazing athlete. Um, also coming up this weekend is, oh, sorry, on Tuesday is the table tennis um, Oceana qualifying for mm-hmm. the Olympics. Um, another Paralympian is in the mix there. Um, Melissa Tapper, who has represented Australia in table tennis in the Paralympics, is going for Olympic qualification. Uh, she needs to finish in the top two also. Um, so good luck to her. And then, of course, the Southern Stars um, mm-hmm. continuing on with their um, World T20. So heaps in women's sport. Um, head over to SVS Zella for uh, – <laughs> sorry, I had to get it in there. No, please, please do head but to we'll, SVS Zella. We'll be cov- covering both Jessica, Melissa and the Southern Stars um, this week. 
And it would be remiss of me not to remind everyone that by the time you record again next week, the AFL season <laughs> will have kicked off with Richmond playing Carlton at the MCG. Uh, whether or not there are, is the parade of horses that has been talked about, uh, we'll uh, see. They're, apparently Daryl Braithwaite's going to sing I horses. I love that song. Yes, <laughs> I, it will be that song? I love it. And there will be horses. I don't know. Sounds I'm magical to me. Skeptical, mm. but uh, yeah, good to see the uh, the season kick off. And I'm tipping the tags. Awesome. Well, it looks like there's plenty to keep an eye on. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and wrap up the show. And that's the show today. Danielle, a massive thank you for coming in today. It's been a joy to have you. Oh, thank you so much. I want to come back every week. You are welcome whenever <laughs> you like. I'll talk to you that after the show, actually. And Erin, thanks again. You're always welcome, as you know. So lovely to be here. I've got a couple of things I'd like to plug. Go. First of all, Danielle and I are actually speaking together at an event at the New South Wales Writers' Centre mm-hmm. on the 31st of um of March about sports writing. So would love to see some people there and it should um, – should be a really good event. Yep. There's a couple of other speakers as well. Uh, and also, uh, I have a chapter in a book that's out this month, uh, called From the Outer. It's a collection of essays uh, by people who don't fit the usual profile of a AFL fan being mm-hmm. a straight white man. Uh, so it's perspectives on, from women, from LGBTQI fans, from fans of color. Uh, it's a really exciting, um, project and I'm really stoked to be part of that. So it should be on sale at all good retailers very soon from Black Ink. Fantastic. And one more plug, actually. Friend of the podcast, Dennis Carnahan, has also sent us in a song this week. So that might be our outro song for this week. It's about the NRL bunker, which I am a massive fan of. Uh, thank you again, both of you, for coming in. It's been great. Make sure you leave us a review on iTunes. I'm, I'm loving all the reviews. Thank you to everyone who's taken the time out to leave us one. And that's it this week. You've been listening to Mary Kay from Ladies Who League. Welcome to the NRL Bunker. Lordy, lordy, this is something surprising. Actually got something right. Great step forward for rugby league. Tony Greenberg, Berg, Berg has always been polarizing. Ooh, but Archie's bunker has everyone on side. It'll be referred to the bunker. The video referee was played by inconsistency. <laughs> and though Michael Jennings doesn't agree, they fix it up. Sits at the back supervising The referee on the third will make a live decision And General Patton checks to see if they scored We can rock and roll on the critical moment Burn it, burn it, burn it Sutton is so mesmerising The way he says we've got a decision And we're going to the board Have a decision and we're going to the board The video referee